0: If you have your Bibles this morning, let's open them to Acts chapter 11 together. They we're going to be in Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19 this morning. So last week, we, um, it's the first week back, and uh, everything went went really well, I think. And uh, on Monday, I, I went to get the, um, the sermon off of the recording so that we could put it on the podcast channel and... Uh, when I got done, I told Steve, I, I preached for 28 minutes, almost 29 minutes. And um, it didn't make any sense because I'm given 20, I have 20 minutes, and I've already wasted half a minute. I got 20 minutes. Uh, but what we realized was, what is, it was the 11 o'clock service, and we were in here about an hour and 15 minutes. So, how long y'all want to stay today? Huh? So, what you get for waiting late, you get all of the leftovers that we've had this morning. Uh, For real, we've got 20 minutes today and uh, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through the end of this chapter, which is verse 30. When I originally set apart this passage of Scripture, my my plan was, was for us to look at this passage of Scripture in its entirety, all the way through verse 30. But as I got studying this week... Uh, I, I realized there was way too much there for us to look at in one sitting. So what we're going to do today is really just look through verse 22. I'm going to read through verse 26 together, but, but we're only going to look through verse 22 together this morning. We're going to look at the church of Antioch. We remember in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, uh, that's where Jesus gave uh, that commission to His disciples to be witnesses. We call it often the Acts 1-8 challenge where He told them, this is what I want you to do with your life. I want you to be a witness unto my gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's, it's very similar to that command that he gave the disciples in Matthew 28 that says to go and make disciples in all of the nations, right? He gives that challenge in Acts chapter 1. Jesus ascends into heaven. Acts 2, the uh, the his Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down upon his people. And from Acts 2 all the way through Acts 10, basically, we've seen a picture of conversion. We saw the picture of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and how the gospel was shared with him from the prophet Isaiah and he was saved. We saw also a witness to Simon the magician who was not willing to give up his earthly treasures to follow Christ. And so we saw a man turn from Christ. And then we saw last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, Saul converted on the road to Damascus, where he encountered a bright light, and, and Saul was converted to Paul. The persecutor was now, the persecutor was now the persecutor. And then last week we had this encounter with Peter and Cornelius and how Peter realized that the gospel was not just for a particular group of people. The gospel wasn't just for Jews. The gospel wasn't just for the community of believers in Jerusalem. The message of Jesus Christ is to be expanded. And so we saw Peter really see that the gospel is to be done exactly what Acts 1-8 says, and that's taken into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. And today, in Acts chapter 11, we have our first picture of the New Testament church formed together. We have the New Testament church, the church at Antioch, and we begin to see as this church of Antioch is birthed and as as it begins to grow we see some things that the church of Antioch is doing, and what it should do for us is is it should encourage us as well to mimic these things that the church of Antioch are doing. This week we're going to see their evangelism. Next week we're going to see the church of Antioch's discipleship, and then three weeks we'll see the church of Antioch's ministry and mission to the world. So today we're going to begin by looking at the the evangelistic emphasis of the church of Antioch. Let's stand together and read Acts chapter 11, verses 19, and we're going to stop through verse 26 this morning, uh, but really only cover through 22. Acts 11, verse 19 says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews... But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. here that the church is growing faster than anywhere else. And it's churches and countries that have comforts and and money and financial means. It's those churches that are not growing like churches in the United States of America. And it's true because because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the gospel. And particularly we see that here in Acts chapter 11. It is the blood of Stephen and the many others who were dying because of their belief in Jesus that would press forward the gospel into the known world. Interesting. The gospel here is moving rapidly. And it's moving rapidly in Antioch. Now, Antioch doesn't mean much to us, but in the, in the world in which the church was growing in Antioch, it, it's important to know that Antioch was not a very godly place. As a matter of fact, Antioch, might we would consider, be something like Las Vegas or something like Miami. We would look to it and say that it was a, a seed of sinfulness, right? And this is the way Antioch was in this day. Uh, There were pagan temples all over Antioch. Temple prostitution was very common inside of Antioch in this day. Morally, uh, there there was all kinds of, of, of trouble inside of Antioch. The people did not live moral lives even though it was a religious center. And so we have here the gospel being pressed forward, even though it was a difficult place to do it, and even though it was on the heels of the persecution and the death of Stephen, we find a church that was faithful to be obedient to the commands of the gospel and of Jesus Himself. And you see, the only thing we're missing in the church, to have an evangelistic church, the only thing we're missing is obedience. This is the centerpiece of what's necessary for us to have an evangelistic emphasis as a body of believers. It is obedience to that Matthew 28 and that Acts chapter 1, verse 8 command. We are to be His witnesses as we go into the world. Obedience is the foundational element of an evangelistic emphasis. The second thing I want you to see is that the message of the evangelistic emphasis is very simply the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 20. There were some of them, these were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching, look at what it says, the Lord Jesus. Isn't that amazing that... What we're told about the message that these people were teaching, these sirens and, and, and the wind from Cyprus, that the message that they were preaching, it was a very simple message. It was this message, that Jesus is Lord. I love this. The simplicity of what we're told here about their evangelism is just very simply that they called out upon the name of the Lord. But what is also staggering to me about this passage of Scripture is I want, you to, I want you to be reminded of a timeline in your head. Because we are in Acts chapter 11, and for us, this has taken us three months or so to get to this point. And that may seem like it's been a lifetime, but it really hasn't. And, and for the people, the New Testament church in Acts chapter 11, I want you to be reminded, it has not been that long ago that they saw Jesus hanging on the cross. It has not been that long ago that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It has not been that long ago that Jesus, before He ascended, encouraged them to be His witnesses. It hasn't been that long ago that the Holy Spirit fell upon these very men who are now speaking the gospel. And I say all of that because I want you to know the message of the gospel is real simple And the message of the gospel was being communicated to those that were lost by people who we might say were new in their faith. None of these people had been to seminary. None of these people were learned, just like Jesus' disciples... As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite of that. These were simple men who understood the simple message that Jesus Christ is Lord. And listen, that ought to be a relief for us that fulfilling the Acts 1:8 challenge that we've been given to be his witnesses it's simple. It's just a step of obedience to declaring that Jesus is Lord of our lives as we go about our lives. That's why Jesus says, Be my witnesses in Acts 1. And in Matthew 28, He says, As you are going, because He intends us... Listen, a relief here. He intends for us simple people to just give a simple message to a world that is in need of salvation. Isn't that a relief? Isn't it a relief that all Jesus expects of us, all the New Testament models for us in our evangelism is to just lead people towards Christ? I won't spend a lot of time here, but it's interesting if you'll look at the message that they're preaching. It says, Preaching the Lord Jesus. I've even done it this morning as I've been looking at this passage. When I hear the word Jesus, I most naturally want to put the word Christ behind it. And I've said it this morning. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to note, and again, I don't want to read more into this than it's supposed to be there, but I think it's significant. The message that they are teaching is very simply the Lord Jesus. The absence of the Christ there, I think, is significant. Because you see, Christ is a word that means anointed. Christ is a word that means the fulfillment. Christ, that word, was necessary for evangelism to the Jews... Because they were looking for the anointed one who is promised to come. The Jews were looking for the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecy, right? They were looking for the anointed one. They were looking for the one that had been promised to them, to their fathers and their fathers' fathers. And so as they were sharing the gospel with the Jews, they were saying to them, this is the anointed, that Jesus is in fact the Christ. But here they don't have the word Christ. They just have Jesus is Lord, It's because this simplistic message should also be a relevant message for the ears of the people that are in need of salvation. The the Gentiles didn't need to know that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament because they didn't believe the Old Testament anyway. The, The Gentiles just needed to know that... That, that temple that you're going to that prostitute in, they needed to know that pagan worship that you're doing inside of that temple in Antioch, they needed to know that those people that they were bowing their heads to, that they were not Lord. That there is but one and only one Lord, and it is the Lord Jesus. You see, even in their language here, we're seeing the message of simplicity, but also the message of relevance. They needed to hear that Jesus was Lord, and these preachers were so declaring that they were Lord. These people. The third thing I want you to see is something that's just equally as important. The message for us is to be obedient. To be obedient to declare a simple message. The third thing, the servants of the evangelistic emphasis is the church. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Verse 20 says, there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene who were coming to Antioch. All of us like to have our own name called, don't we? We like recognition. Whenever, whenever I see you, I try to call you by your name because people like to be called by their name. People like to be recognized. They like to be seen. It's just part of our humanity. And what about these people? The fathers of the first church. Those that first started being the witnesses into the ends of the earth. These men from Cyrus and Cyrene who were witnessing to the Gentiles, the Hellenists, the Greeks during this day. And their name is not even given. We would want to say, what was their name? Don't we need to give some recognition to these people? Because it was their obedience, preaching that simple message of the Lord Jesus Christ that allowed the gospel to move forward. But yet we only know one thing about them, and that is that they were a part of the church at Antioch. And it's because this call that we have on our lives, it's a call for the church... It's a call for the church as a whole. I read this quote this week, and I thought it was fantastic. It says, While it is nice to have a celebrity at church gatherings, it is better to have our entire congregation daily spreading the good news within their many relationships. You see, guys, we have somehow professionalized spreading of the gospel and we have forgotten that the example of the New Testament church in Acts chapter 11 is not that a celebrity share the gospel, but the unknown men and women of the church of Jesus Christ share the gospel. Somehow... We have separated those who speak the gospel witness from those who don't. And we call it the difference between lay people and clergy. Or the difference between people in the pew and people that do this as a profession. This is not the picture of the church at Antioch. The servants of the evangelistic emphasis in this church was the church itself. And if the church is ever to see an evangelistic force in its community, it will come from the people in the pews and not from only the professionals. This is the example that the church of Antioch gives us. Those unknown men being witnesses in obedience to the simple message of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility, my responsibility, It's your responsibility. It's responsibility of the church. But I want you to see something because I don't want you to miss this. Verse 21. The hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Finally, I want you to see that the work of the evangelistic emphasis is the sovereignty of God. Just as simple as the message is, and that ought to be a relief to us, so ought this be a relief to us. The hand of the Lord was on them, it says, and many were added to their number. The obedience of the church coupled with the conviction of the Spirit on men will always lead to fruitfulness in evangelism. When we are obedient and the Spirit is moving, we will always see fruit come from evangelism. One of the parables of Jesus It's called the parable of the sower, some people call it, or some people call it the parable of the soils. You know this account that Jesus tells. He talks about how how there was a man who had some seed, and, and he spread that seed, he cast that seed out, and Jesus tells us that some of the seed fell on the path, and some of the seed fell in rocky places, and some of the seed was eaten up by birds, You know, some of it was scorched by the sun. He says, but some of the seed fell on good soil. And that seed that fell on the good soil, it began to root and began to sprout. And eventually there was fruit. There's a lot of messages inside that parable. What I want you to be reminded of this morning is very simply what we see here at the church of Antioch. The hand of the Lord was on this church, and many were being saved. You see, our responsibility as the church is to simply be witnesses of the message of the Lord Jesus. Our responsibility as the church, it is to spread the seed. The soil and the contents of the soil, that is the responsibility of the Maker. It is God's work. It is God's work to make those seeds sprout and come up. It is only our work to be obedient, we learn in this parable, to constantly spread the seed. And as we spread the seed, the Holy Spirit will convict men of their sinfulness and we will see this coupling come together. Our obedience and Jesus' conviction through the Spirit and His power and we will see men become fruitful. But we need to share the gospel so that the Spirit can move in their lives. We want people to come to Christ It's that simple. We must sow. We must spread the seed. The fruitfulness of the seed is not our responsibility, only the sowing of the seed. The truthfulness that God does the work of salvation, it doesn't negate our call. As a matter of fact, it should only drive us to a deeper obedience to reaching our neighbors with the gospel of Jesus, which is very simply this, Jesus is Lord. The church in Antioch was an evangelistic church. They set for us a model of what we might become. A church as a whole, but also as individuals, as many parts, who may see gathering as a result of our sowing. The question then becomes, will, will we as a church and as individuals, will we be found to be obedient in our neighborhoods to sow the seeds of the gospel? I think there are several ways you can respond this morning. I've written down four ways you might consider responding as we close our time. First of all, I think we should pray and we should ask God that we would be found obedient. Because this is one of the most difficult things for us as believers to do. Because we know the conflict that exists between our testimony and our lives sometimes. We need to pray that God would help us to be found obedient. Secondly, I think we can commit, commit to know the gospel and the community in which we win in such a way that we can spread that seed and depend upon the Spirit's call on people's lives. Third, I think we should ask God to give us opportunities to share the gospel. Oftentimes when we ask God for an opportunity to share the gospel, He will give us an opportunity to share the gospel. Often when we don't ask God to give us an opportunity to share the gospel we miss those opportunities to share the gospel. Ask God to give us an opportunity to share a simple message. Jesus is Lord. And ultimately, let's trust in His sovereignty. God, whatever it is that you decide to do in the hearts of men is not the business of men. It is your business. But yet, God, throughout Scripture, we are called to be an obedient people. Lord, I want to be found obedient, and I want to pastor a church that's found obedient. So, Lord, would you help us? We pray, God, we ask that you help us to be obedient. We ask that you give us opportunities to speak the simple message that Jesus is king, Jesus is master, Jesus is the boss, Jesus is the ruler of all things. God, we ask that we would commit to share the gospel when we have those opportunities. But ultimately, God, we trust in your sovereignty. We trust for you to do the work, the hard work in men's and women's lives, Lord, that need to happen even this morning. But God, beyond that, that one we've been praying for for years, God, we trust in your sovereignty to work in their life. That one, Lord, that we're praying for, Lord, we trust in your sovereignty. God, help us to be found obedient. We pray and ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Once you stand? Let's worship together.